Amen. 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 Well, guys, great for me to, well, to just to be here. Um, it's nice being here because I have to wear a mask, so that's good. Um, it's the only reason why I said yes, really, um, to speaking. Uh, there we go. Uh, anyone been away this week? Hadn't been, uh, been away? Some people have been away. Anyone booked a holiday to Portugal? Uh, these lads, these lads genuinely have booked a holiday to Portugal, and they were around my house on Friday, and they were like freaking out because they're like, "What do we do now?" We, you know, um, I, I got to go away last uh, last week. Went to North Devon to Croyd, um, very nice with my dad's camper, which was fun, and um, uh, it reminded me really because we used to go there when uh, as a family when I was very young. Um, we used to go every year, and we'd be like Croyd or Woolacombe, um, or if the, at the other end of the beach um, of Woolacombe, it's called Putsborough. And there was one time where we went to Putsborough, I was about nine years old, and um, me and my old, one of my older sisters, um, we went to the sea, and we, we went with our bodyboards, and we got in, and we were loving life, and, and basically my dad said to us before he went, we went in, he was like, just make sure... You know, when you go into the sea, there's undercurrents and stuff. Just don't move from this point, okay? Don't move from this point. See that rock there in front? And I'm like, yeah, which rock there? There's 10. That one. Don't move from that point. I'm like, yeah, yeah, fine. We won't move from that point. So we go into the sea, loving the waves. I'm catching some, you know, four-foot nice ones. Um, loving life. And maybe an hour had gone by, and me and my sister, we were hungry, so we thought, we'll come out of the sea now. And as we came to the shore we realized that we drifted. There were no rocks in front of us. What was in front of us was a completely new horizon. And um, what we hadn't um, realized was that the undercurrent had caused us to drift a mile down shore. And we knew we were in trouble because my dad said, don't move from this spot. And the undercurrent had caused us to drift. And um, when we finally found our dad, we had an apology ready. We, uh, but before we could get it out, we were met with hostility. We were met with anger, frustration, rage, loud voices. All because my dad, from his own fear of losing us, that's where it came from, right? And, you know, it all boiled down and we got on with each other fine afterwards. But initially, the reaction was hostility, our environment caused us to drift away from our dad. He'd lost us. Uh, and when he, found, when he found us, his reaction to us was hostility. You know, the environment we've been in this past year has not been too dissimilar to that sea that I was in when I was nine years old. Wave after wave. Restriction after restriction. Lockdown after lockdown. It's been like this undercurrent that has caused us to drift down shore, away from important things that we used to hold dear, right? Some of us, we've drifted away from exercise. Or is that just me? We've, we've drifted away from spending time with our colleagues outside of office hours, mainly because we've not been able to for such a long time. We've, we've drifted away from socializing, maybe, with anyone outside our household. We've drifted away from family WhatsApp groups. I've muted those bad boys for like a whole year. We've drifted away from prayer, maybe. Drifted away from worship because we're not quite sure how to worship God behind a mask. 
Maybe we've drifted away from trusting God, that he's got it under control. The undercurrent, I think, has caused us to drift, and we find ourselves, in some way or another, I think, a little bit lost, a little bit down shore. And so, um, when we're lost, um, particularly in that spiritual realm, when, when we've drifted away from God, when God finds us, how does he react to when he finds us? Is it hostility or, or is it something else? So to explore that, we're going to read the Bible. And if you've got a physical Bible with you, I'd love you to turn to Luke 15. And we're going to read from verse 11 um, all the way to the end. Um, if you've got a phone, turn it on, find it on the Bible, um, Bible app. Um, I'm going to be reading from the NIV version. Um, but the words, if you haven't got a Bible, will be on the screen um, in front of you. So let me just pray for us as you find that, navigate that. Um, it's in the New Testament of the Bible. You'll have Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, so it's after Mark, before John. Let me pray. Jesus, just, I just thank you for your love. Um, it is better than uh, any vaccine. It's better than any football team. It's better than any politician, any holiday, um, any lifting of lockdowns. Uh, and Lord, I pray that tonight we would, we would know that your love is, is greater than any of those things, a little bit deeper tonight. Amen. Amen. Right, so Luke 15, reading from verse 11. It says this, Jesus continued, pause, whenever we read the Bibles, right, sometimes like me, I, I dive into a random point in the Bible, I just see what's going on. And sometimes we, we read something like this, Jesus continued, or therefore, or and then. And when we see moments like that in scripture, it's always good to try and find where it started. So here we've read Jesus continued, and what we want to try and do is go back to where it started, because if we don't, it would be like watching the third Lord of the Rings without seeing the one and the two. Like we can watch it isolated and we'd experience, you know, meaning and we'd love it. But it would have a much richer context and an understanding if we go back to the beginning, right? So with that being said, let's just go back to the beginning of chapter 15, um, verses 1 and 2, when it says this. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus then tells three parables. Now, parables are like stories, but they're littered with meaning. They're layered with meaning. And they have human characters in them that represent people that are physically present listening to the story. And Jesus tells three parables about lost things. And again, something about the Bible. When we see things repeated, it means that the author is really trying to make a point. So there's a parable about a lost sheep. There's a parable about a lost coin. And then here, thirdly, the trilogy, or completing the trilogy, the parable of the lost son. And we pick it up here, okay? So Verses um, 15, uh, sorry, chapter 15, 11 to 12, all right? So here we go. We'll read this first. So Jesus continued. There was a man who had two sons, 
The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided his property between them. We have two things going on here. We have the younger son's plan and the father's reaction. Okay, And we're gonna, as we go through this chapter, we're going to look at those. We're going to look at the, um, the son's plan and the father's reaction. So firstly then, the son's plan in verses 11 to 12. He wanted his inheritance. In those days, the inheritance in a family was split. And so it would be expected that any eldest sibling would get two-thirds of whatever the estate was. And the youngest would get one-third. Now, like inheritances today, you don't get that until the person who owns the estate passes away, right? So basically what's happening here is he's effectively wishing his dad dead. He's saying, give me the money, I want you dead. That's effectively what he's saying, right? He wants the father's things, but not the father. And so what does the, how does the father react How does the father react to his son wanting him dead? Well, this is the way that he reacts. In those days, the reaction expected would be that he'd drive him out. That this son had basically caused him so much offense that the only right response would be basically beat him out of the house and off the estate. But notice that in verse 12, it just simply says, so he divided his property. He doesn't drive him out. There's no council culture from this father, right? He does what the son asks. The father bears the agony. He doesn't get angry. He maintains his affection. He's slow to anger, rich in love. It's like a CEO selling her company and giving it to those in need. She gives up in this moment. The father, similarly to a CEO doing this, gives up power status, control, and hands it over to those that request it. That's what the father's doing here. So again, let's, let's read on, okay? So this is a bit of a longer bit now. We'll read verse 13 all the way through to 24. So not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he'd spent everything... There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to fields to feed the pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? I will set out and I'll go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. 
For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So the younger son's plan in this section of what we're reading, okay, goes a little bit like this. He takes the money, he runs. And he lives an out-of-control lifestyle. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. But then he runs out of money. And there's a famine. And he comes to his senses in the middle of a pigsty. Now, remember, Jesus' audience of Pharisees, within uh, the Jewish law, to be even associated or near a pig was, was the worst thing. It was a dirty animal. It would mean you would be unclean. You, you'd want to be nowhere near a pig, let alone having, trying to have dinner with it, right? He's in the worst place possible. And he comes to his senses. Oh, this is bad, man. I need to go home. But he knows he's wronged his father. He knows he's drifted away. He knows that he's lost in the middle, in the inside of pigsty. And so he needs more than an apology because, again, in that society, when you've wronged your family, you don't just need to apologize, but you need to make, wrong, make right your wrongs. And in this case, he'd taken a lot of money from his father and he'd blown it. And so he needed to go to his father with basically a business plan and to basically say, look, Dad, I know I don't have the right to become a member of the family again, but what I'll do is if you just hire me out, to one of your servants, if you apprentice me to him and pay me £3.40 an hour, I will work that debt back and I'll pay it back to you in full, right? That's, that's his plan. But the father's reaction, notice this. Again, the expectation would just be to laugh in the son's face. No, you've done it, mate. You've, you've had your chance. You've had your moment. You ran off. You stay in that pigsty. You're not welcome here anymore. But notice the father's reaction. First, while he, the son was a long way off, the father runs to meet him. Again, something we, we, we miss sometimes when reading this is, is what, it, what it meant to run for a father of a household in an ancient Near Eastern culture. It was very unbecoming for a man of an estate in a patriarchal society to run. Like, imagine if you looked out your window and you saw the Queen of England running down your street. It just, it wouldn't be right. It might be funny, but it wouldn't be right. It would be unbecoming of the queen to run. Similarly, the father isn't expected to run here, but he does. He bucks cultural trends, he bucks social pressure, and he runs to meet his son. He runs to him. And then, when he gets to him, he says to his servants, bring me a robe, a ring, and some running shoes. Right? Now, the robe is likely to be the father's own robe. And by giving him a robe, what he's doing to his son is he's restoring him to the family. And then he puts a ring on his finger. And what the ring um, signified in that culture was authority, was power. So not only was he reinstating his son to the family, but he's reinstating his son to a place of authority where he gets to make decisions now about the estate. And then finally, he puts on some shoes. Now, when you had guests in your house, similar to today, like when the boys came over, they come into my house and they go, they recognize this isn't my home, so it's not my rules. And so of courtesy, I'll take my shoes off. 
It doesn't matter if your feet stink, if they're covered in poo. I will take my, I'll take my shoes off. That's what guests did. But when the estate is your home, you keep your shoes on. And so the father restores him to the family by giving him a robe. He gives him back authority and decision-making within the family by giving him a ring. And he says to him by giving him shoes, you're home. You are home. And then he has a feast. And he kills what's called the fattened calf. And again, something we miss. Some of us, we choose not to eat meat because of dietary needs. We choose not to eat meat because of environmental factors. In this society, meat was a luxury. They chose not to eat it because they couldn't afford it. And so to kill the fattened calf was to say, this is a real special moment and we're going to celebrate it. So that's what's happening here. So let's, let's read on, okay? Now we come to a new character in the story. We come to what's called, who's called the elder brother, okay? The elder brother. And we're going to read from Luke 15, 25 to 28. It says this, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? And the servant's like, well, your brother's come home. He's back. And, we, uh, and we feel that we've killed the fattened calf because he's back home and he's safe and he's sound. And then it says the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father says, you, you've always been with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because the brother of yours was dead. He's alive again. He was lost and is found. He was lost and is found. So here then we have the elder brother. What's his plan in this story? Well, first of all, he remains outside the party. He's angry. He's indignant. He's resentful. He's obeyed his father every command he's given. And he's never been celebrated this way. He's never had this much attention. So he chooses in his resentment in his anger, to remove himself from any party. He, he remains outside. And he's, he's angry because he's angry at the cost. Not just at the fact that the cost of the party because of killing the fattened calf, we only get one of those. But he's angry because what he's realising is his inheritance that he's owed is being diminished even more. Right? Remember, in the first instance, it's split into thirds. The older brother gets two thirds, the younger brother gets one. In his thinking, the younger brother's already had his third and he's, caught, he's, he's squandered it and now he's back in part of the family, which means he now has a claim to my two-thirds, a third of my two-thirds. And I've got less now. So that's why partly he's angry. And then he potentially offends the father. Again, in that culture, it would be right to say to the father and address him appropriately. Again, like you would the king or a queen, you know, your royal highness, your majesty, but here, the elder son goes, look you, 
like completely disregards the father's position, grabs him by the neck perhaps and gives him an earful. And again, the listeners of this story are, 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 are sort of anticipating a reaction from the father to kick off at his son perhaps. You know, this elder brother's no different to the younger. But again, watch what happens. Verse 28, the father seeks him out. The father goes to find the son. He comes out of the party to find the elder brother. And when he hears the elder brother's anger and the argument towards him, when he recognizes that the elder brother has caused him offense, he doesn't counsel his, his eldest son. No, he, he, he responds in love and in gentleness. Notice his response is, my son, my son. And then he goes on to say that everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Don't worry about what's left. Don't worry about if you're getting a diminished inheritance. Everything I have is yours. Remember, Jesus' audience is a crowd made up of sinners and Pharisees, religious leaders. And the human characters in this story, they represent those that are hearing the story firsthand. The younger son, he represents the sinners that are present. The tax collectors, the prostitutes, the alcoholics, the drug takers, the people sleeping around. You fill in the blank. That's who the younger son represents. The elder brother represents the Pharisees, the guys that have been coming to church every Sunday. They've prayed every day. They read their Bible. They do Bible in one year. They preach, they teach, they evangelize. They do all the things expected of them. That's the elder brother. And the father, well, that's God, who in this instance is present in the story because Jesus is there. And so here in this story, we see how the father reacts when he finds his children who are lost. When we're lost, God doesn't find us and react with hostility, but with hospitality. When we're lost, he doesn't cancel us. When we're lost, he maintains his affection for us. When we're lost, he looks for us. And when we're found, God doesn't respond to us with hostility, but with hospitality. When we're found, he runs towards us. When we're found, he restores to us what we've lost. When we're found, he, he makes us the center of the party. So how are you lost tonight? Are you like the younger son lost inside a pigsty? Or the elder brother lost outside a party? Some of us tonight, we're like younger, younger sons. We're lost. We're inside a pigsty. Unhealthy habits like not remembering the night before. Deleting our search history. Being in control. That's, that's how we're lost. We're inside a pigsty. 
Others of us tonight, we're elder sons. Do you know it's possible to leave the father but not leave the farm? We're outside the party. We've, we're unhealthy attitudes. They, they rule our heart like pride, resentment, cynicism. So how are you lost? Are you lost inside a pigsty? Or are you lost outside a party? Wherever you are, hear this, okay? That whether it's inside a pigsty or outside a party, the hospitality of God's heart means that he doesn't cancel you. He maintains his affection for you. He looks for you. And when he finds you, as soon as we step over the threshold, as soon as we step outside the pigsty or into the party, he runs towards you. He restores to you what you've lost. He makes you the centre of the dinner party. So as I come into land, I just want us to imagine for a moment what it might be like if we as a family of people who have been found by God might begin to extend the same heart he has for, her, for us, that hospitable heart that he has for us, to those around us. What might happen if we, like God, didn't cancel others? What if we, like God, maintained our affection for others when they were lost? What if we looked for others? What if we would run towards others? What if we would restore to them what they've lost? What if we would celebrate with others? What would that look like? As the band come up, I just, I just want to share a story. Um, is that all right to get the band back up and over doing communion? Do you want Holy Spirit keys behind bread and wine? Okay, cool. Um, this is a story, a true story, that's written um, in, a, in a book that I don't know the name of, but I came across it in the internet. Um, true story of a pastor called Tony Campalo. This is Tony, this is what he looks like. Cheers, Nick. There we go, there's Tony. Um, he was from, I think, South Africa. And he was on a speaking engagement in Hawaii. Nice. This is before COVID, obviously. And he flew over and the jet lag meant that um, he was awake in the middle of the morning and he was hungry. And so he did what any awake, hungry person at that time of night would do. And he walked out of his hotel room to find the nearest open restaurant. And what he came across was this like greasy spoon, right? And um, he walked in, he sat at the bar. Um, and the, the owner who, you know, big guy, he was, you know, covered in grease, called Harry, came over to him and was like, what do you want? And Tony was like, oh, I'll have whatever you've got. So he was like, oh, okay, coffee and a donut, is that all right? Yeah, I'll have that. So he's eating that, minding his own business, when the door flung open, 3.30 in the morning, and in walk, um, four um, local prostitutes, one of them named Agnes, and they're laughing and cackling and they're a bit drunk and they're kind of making the place their own. 
And Tony was about to walk out, but he just decided to linger a little bit longer. Because what he overheard was um, one of these girls called Agnes said to another of her friends, tomorrow is my birthday. And the, the, the friend responded in sort of like cynical way. What do you, what, I don't care. Why do you want me to care about it? Like, what do you want me to do? Buy you a cake? Throw you a party? And the girl Agnes was like, well, no, I wasn't expecting you to do anything really. I was just letting you know my birthday. Like, no worries. You know, what's the chip on your shoulder about? Tony overhearing this just made the decision. And when these girls left, he called over the owner and he said, hey, how, that girl, does she come in every day? Does she come in every morning at the same time? And the, and the guy who was owning the bar said, yeah, yeah, she comes in, she comes in every night. She said, oh, well, tomorrow's her birthday. Should we, should we, I think it'd be a cool idea to throw her a birthday party. Because by the sounds of it, she's never had one. And, and the owner called his wife over, who does the cooking, and says, hey, come, this guy's got this idea to throw Agnes a birthday party tomorrow. What do you think? And, and the wife was like, oh, that's a brilliant idea, because Agnes, she's so gentle, she's so kind, but no one really, no one really t- tends to care about her. And so t- Tony Campalo says, well, well, I'll go and sort the celebrations and the decorations out. Why don't you cook the cake? So they, they, together they decide to, to throw this party for this girl. And Tony says, well, I'll be back in the morning, 2.30 in the morning, I'll decorate the place and we'll throw her a party. So the next day comes and Tony walks in and they decorate the place and from you know, wall to wall it's balloons and banners and the cake is there in all its pride and glory. And then um, what happens is it turns out that every other prostitute has found out that we're throwing a party for Agnes. And so there's like now a whole room full of prostitutes and Tony Campalo, this Christian pastor, throwing this girl Agnes a birthday party. And then Agnes walks in on time at 3.30 and they all go, surprise, happy birthday, and they sing happy birthday and and she just like looks shocked and kind of overwhelmed and she begins to cry. And then the cake comes out and they, you know, she's just looking at it and they're all waiting for her to blow out the candles. And Harry's like, Agnes, blow out the candles, man. We want to eat some cake. And all the girls are like, yeah, we want cake, man. Hurry up and cut it. And Agnes is like, actually, Harry, would, would it be okay if I like, took the, like, kept the cake? And Harry's like, yeah, yeah, like take it home if you want. Like we don't have to eat it tonight. She's like, oh, can I take it home? Yeah, yeah, take it home. So she literally picks up, the story goes, she picks up the cake, walks it out really slowly as if it's like her baby and just walks out of the restaurant, leaving this room of prostitutes kind of not knowing what to do next because the party, per- the person the party was left. And in the moment, Tony, um, it says in the story, he just, he just got up on a chair and, and just said, well, should we pray? And he leads this group of prostitutes and Harry and his wife in prayer. Praise for Agnes, praise for her health, praise that she'd be blessed for her salvation, says amen. And Harry like taps him on the shoulder. Tony, you didn't tell me you were a pastor. What kind of church do you belong to? And in a moment where all the words come together in the right place, Tony said this, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3.30 in the morning. And Harry thinks for a moment, and in a mocking way, says, no, you don't. There ain't no church like that, because if there was, I'd belong to it. Well, that's the kind of church that Jesus has come to create. 